Fantastic. All right. Let's take our Bibles this evening. Let's go back to the book of Jonah. All right. Book of Jonah. Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1 this evening. We'll finish up what we began this morning. And just a quick recap what we had this morning, just to get your mind jogged back into gear as we jump back into it, is uh, just keep in mind that uh, Jonah has received a commission from the Lord to go to Nineveh. He was to go to Nineveh to preach to that city, though it was a wicked city. Ungodly people, very brutal people, by the way. He was to go to these people and preach to them uh, the message that God gave him to preach. And he was just simply to preach, yet 40 days and God will overthrow this city. That's all he was supposed to do. But we found out quickly that Jonah... Uh, did not like the Ninevites. They, he probably knew that eventually God uh, would, would use them to uh, do great damage and harm and destroy Jerusalem and have the seven years captivity would be from these, from these individuals and from these people. Uh, maybe even the prophet he knew that would be coming down the road. So anyway, he did not want to go and preach to them. He, would, he knew that God was gracious. He knew that God was forgiving. And he knew if these people turned to the Lord, he would turn to them. But he didn't want to do that. He would rather see God's wrath fall upon them. That's how much he hated them. Uh, rather see God's wrath fall upon these people and instead of going and preaching to them and then serving and ministering to them. And so he did this. He began to rebel against the Lord. And as we started that message this morning, seeing how God deals with a rebel, we took notice of this, number one, how God begins to correct us. God will correct us. If we go against God's word, against God's will, mark it down, the Lord will convict us and correct us in that rebellion, all right? In that disobedience, God will do that. Why? He loves us too much to allow us to continue in that sin. He, he loves us too much to allow us to continue in that rebellion, and he wants to continue to use us. Therefore, he will correct us just as he began to do with the prophet Jonah. Remember these precious words in Jonah chapter 1 as we saw them in verse number 4, but the Lord. Remember, God will correct. He will work in our life to get us back on the right path and moving in the right direction. But he always does it out of what? Out of love. Never forget it. Never forget it. That Jesus does love us. All right? Don't ever, don't ever forget that. But then, as we saw that what God does with a rebel is it begins to correct us, we began to look at this. We started it anyway, and we'll, we'll pick up in that part of the message. We saw this number two, that in our rebellion there can be collateral damage. There can be collateral damage. Again, look at verse number six with me. The Bible says, So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. If so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. There was some collateral damage here that was the cause of this was from the rebellion of Jonah. And as Jonah began his rebelling and rebelling against the Lord, the Lord began to correct him. And in order to correct him, the Lord sent a wind into the sea and there was a mighty tempest as the Bible says in verse number 4. And this mighty tempest was a terrible storm, but the storm, it didn't just have an effect on Jonah. No, it had an effect on the others as well. And by the way, what it began to affect was this. Number one, it began to affect their stuff, all right? So in its collateral damage, the first thing we see that was going to be part of that collateral damage was their stuff. Look at verse number four. 
But the Lord sent a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid, and said one to, uh, and cried every man unto his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down to the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast, fast asleep. In verse number five, the Bible talks about the wares here. Now, what exactly would be the wares? All right, what, is this, what does this mean? Well, as we consider this, the wares here would probably be more of their supplies. It would be the cargo that would be in this, in this ship, possibly. It could be some of the goods they were either uh, have imported and were taken to another area or exported from where they were taking it down to Tarshish. So it could be something that um, they were making money on, their goods, their livelihood, if you will. Also, it could be their wares could have been their own food they needed for the journey that they were taking. Uh, so it could have been their livelihood. It could have been how they made their living, that they had to throw overboard even their own very food that was necessary for them to make the trip. This is what they were throwing overboard in order to make the ship that they were in lighter. They got rid of it all, all their possessions, everything they threw overboard because of this storm. Now, I don't want to make a lot of emphasis here. I don't want to make a lot of emphasis on stuff because, listen, stuff can be replaced. Uh, we can get more supplies. Uh, these individuals could get more supplies. They can make income another, another way. You can always make more money. You say, how do you do that, Pastor? I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out, too. But you can always make more money, all right? You can always make more and get more stuff. Even their boat was in jeopardy, but you could build another boat. Even their body, as if this was their, their food thrown over, their, their body could sustain itself for a little while, especially if they were healthy like me. It could sustain themselves for a little while, all right, without having food. But they were getting rid of all of their stuff. And it was this storm that had an effect on their stuff. But remember, this storm was not their fault. It wasn't something they did. Uh, they did nothing to bring this upon themselves. No, it was this. Look at verse 7. And they said everyone to his fellow, Come and let us cast lots that we may know of whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and a lot fell upon Jonah. It was because of Jonah that they were having to do this. Because of Jonah, they were in this storm. And because of this storm, because of Jonah, it cost them their stuff. The collateral damage was some of their stuff. But understand, here's the main thing I see. When I see collateral damage here, and it's not necessarily the stuff. Again, that can be replaced pretty easily. But rather, it was this, number two, the sailors. That was some collateral damage, potentially collateral damage as well. Look at verse number six. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. If so be that God will think upon us that we, there it is, we perish not. He said we, including himself with Jonah in this storm. Listen, the rebellion of Jonah put the lives of these men in danger. Insomuch that these seasoned sailors thought, listen, this was the big one, all right? Uh, they thought that this was their last, uh, uh, their, their, their last time being on the sea. They thought surely the boat was going down and they were going down with it. They thought they were all going to die. But again, it wasn't their fault. They did nothing to bring this storm upon themselves. Understanding our rebellion 
Listen, it can have greater reaching, far greater reaching effects than we could ever imagine. If we rebel against God and his word and his will for our life, listen, we're only doing so selfishly. And we think those consequences will only affect us. We think the fallout will only be with with us. The consequences will only be our individual consequences because it was our individual choices. But listen, that's what a rebel would think. Again, be reminded, as we said it this morning, that a rebel really only thinks about these three people, me, myself, and I. They think of themselves. They don't think of how this will affect, this decision may affect my family. They don't think of how this may affect my spouse. Uh, They don't think of how this will affect my kids or even my grandkids. They don't think how this may affect my neighbor. They don't think how this may affect my fellow man. They don't think how this may affect my church. They don't think how is this going to affect my fellowship with God. They don't think about those things. Why? Because they're consumed with self. Just as Jonah was at at this moment. And when you think that way like a rebel, listen... It can have far-reaching effects than you could ever imagine. When I think of uh, individuals in Scripture who, well, they did some terrible things, some, uh, uh, maybe this Greek word, we can use this Greek word, some bonehead moves uh, in Scripture. Some individuals that I think of are individuals like this, like this man, Achan. Now, you remember Achan, right? We looked at him and went through the book of Joshua about a year or two ago, and we, we considered him. But did you know that Achan, he really was a great warrior at one time in Israelite's army. Uh, he, he was himself also in the wilderness with, with Joshua and with Caleb. And he got to see firsthand many things that others did not. Even in the wilderness, he saw and experienced things that people did not. Got to see God's power time and time again and God's supply time and time again. He was even there at the crossing of the Jordan River. On, as they crossed over on dry ground, he was, he was there. And he was there when the walls of Jericho fell and came crashing down. He was there and got to see it all. He got to see great things God did in the life of Israel. But it was at the fall of the walls of Jericho that God specifically told his people this in Joshua chapter 6 verse 19. God said to them, All the silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. That's what the people were to do. Yes, they were to go into Jericho after the walls come crashing down. But all the spoil that they get was not for themselves. No, that was later on. That was from cities like Ai and others that they would conquer. They could get the spoils for themselves. But this first one, the first fruits, if you will, belonged to the Lord, consecrated to the Lord. They were to go in, take the spoils, but give it all to God. Yet what did Achan do? Achan, he took a wedge of gold. The Bible says he took 200 shekels of silver and a goodly Babylonian garment and did this, hid it amongst his stuff. He disobeyed the Lord and rebelled against God's word and will for his life. And the Bible says this in Joshua 7, 21. When I saw, this is Achan speaking, When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonish garment, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight, then I coveted them, took them. And behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. He rebelled again against the word of God. But who did it it, uh, affect? 
Maybe Achan thought it would only, only affect him. But who did it affect? Well, it wasn't just Achan. It wasn't just Achan. As we read on, we can see it had an effect on all of Israel. The entire country itself. If you remember, and went on to fight Ai right after Jericho, what happened? They lost. That was the only L they got in the conquest of Canaan. They lost. And in that first battle of Ai, they lost also 36 soldiers. 36 men lost their life because of Achan. But it also affected not only Israel and his soldiers and their families, but it had an effect on Achan's family as well. Here's some very sad verses to an end of a life of Achan. Let me read them to you. In Joshua chapter 7, verse 24 through 25, the Bible says, And Joshua, and all Israel with them took Achan the son of Zerah and the silver, and the garment and the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his asses, his sheep, his tent, all that he had, and they brought them unto the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones and burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. I have no doubt that Achan didn't think that any of this would happen. He didn't think that these soldiers would die on the battlefield because of what he did. He didn't think that they would lose a battle to such a small city, even, even though they destroyed such a large city of, of Jericho. He never thought they'd lose. Uh, no doubt he didn't think that uh, he would lose his stuff he had gained. And no doubt he never thought, ever would he have thought, he'd lose his family because of this decision to go against God and his word. But again, the willing rebel never thinks of that. Never think ahead. Never think of these things. But understand, there can be and will be collateral damage in our life if we willingly go against what we know to be right and go against God and his word. It can happen. It can happen. Another individual that I think about is David, and we know much about him. And I want to say a phrase. We've done this a couple of times already, but I want to say a phrase, and I want you to finish the phrase. All right, here we go. David and Okay, good. Who said Goliath? Raise your hand. All right. That's what I would say, too, most times. Now, who said Bathsheba? Raise your hand. Be honest. All right, a couple of us. Okay. Most people would say David and Goliath, and others would say David and Bathsheba. Did anybody say David and anything else? Okay. You know why? Men, people, are known for their best days, David and Goliath, and their worst days, David and Bathsheba. But what makes up a man or any, any individual is really the normal days of life, but they're known for their best days and their worst days. And listen, David's known for both. He's known for both. But we also know David not as David and Goliath and David and Bathsheba, but he was a warrior for God. We know that David was the greatest king of all of Israel. Every king was compared to him. Every king was. Whether they were good or bad, they were compared to David. He was the best king of Israel. He was the sweet psalmist of Israel as well. We know this, that David was a man after God's own heart. And so much more. We know this to be true about David as we read the word of God. As we read his, about his life in the Old Testament. But at one time in his life, we know at least one time in his life, he rebelled against God's will and word in his life. When he did what he did with Bathsheba, and by the way, I want you to know, he didn't go in blind and naive about that. No, no, he went in with his eyes 
wide open with Bathsheba. He knew exactly what he was doing. Even God, I believe, as you read the portion of Scripture in 2 Samuel 11, I believe God put roadblocks in his way to try to stop him. You can see in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 3, even one of his messengers said this, And David sent and inquired after the woman, talking about Bathsheba, and one said, a messenger, one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Now, I don't know about you, but if a messenger said that to me, that's a very convicting question. The wife, hello, of Uriah. But he went around that roadblock, and we know the rest, as Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story. We know what happened as he committed immorality with her, as he eventually had, a, had her own husband Uriah killed in the hottest part of the battle, in the forefront of the battle. But he suffered because of it. He suffered greatly individual, individually because of this, but he was not the only one. But also because of this rebellion, we know there was colossal collateral damage in the life of those around him. Listen, David sowed. Some rebellion, but he reaped more than he ever would have imagined. He reaped more. And by the way, you always do. You're always going to reap more than you sow. Always. But what did he reap? Well, it affected his family in that he lost the baby that he had with Bathsheba. We also know later on his daughter Tamar was violated by her half-brother Amnon. And then we know also that Amnon will be later killed by his half-brother Absalom. And then later on, David's son Absalom will be killed by Joab as Absalom tried to overthrow his father and to take the kingdom from him. There's a lot going on in his family. And if you ever need encouragement, listen, you, you just come to the holidays a couple weeks ago and you've been with family. And if you ever need encouragement thinking your family's messed up, just read David's family, all right? And you'll be happy about yours, okay? But listen, he had a messed up family but it was because of what he did. He never would have imagined this could have happened to him, no doubt. He never wanted this. Never could have imagined this. Never could have imagined the fallout and the collateral damage, if you will, because of the literal rebellion that he did. But this is what happens when an individual will go against God's word and against God's will for their life. Now, I'm not, I promise, I'm not trying to be some kind of alarmist. Or I'm not. I don't, that's not what I try to do. But I do want to be a realist and understand that this can happen. I just believe that sometimes the actions of our rebellion can have a far more reaching effect than we could ever imagine and definitely ever want. It can happen. So the simple fix to that is this. Just don't rebel. <laughs> just don't go against God. Don't go against God's word. Rather, run to him and just simply obey him. Jonah, that's all he had to do. Run to God and obey the Lord. All right. So what have we seen so far as we consider when we, when we rebel? Well, we understand that God will begin to correct us. And there can be some collateral damage. But there's also this, number three, this can happen. And no, most definitely will happen every time. There's this, number three, there's going to be great confusion. There's going to be confusion. Look at verse number seven. <clears throat> seven and eight. And they said, everyone to his fellow, come let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. Meaning they didn't know why this was happening. That we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us. What is thine occupation? And whence comest thou? What is thy country? And of what people art thou? 
It's interesting. In verse number 7, the sailor said this, that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. Listen, these experienced men, these experienced sailors, they have been in storms before, but this one was a little bit different. Uh, they knew that they'd never been in something like this before, and it had to have been, had to have been out of the ordinary, and it had to have been from the divine. Because they had everybody call upon their God, right? They knew this was from the Lord somehow. They'd been through wind and rain before, but nothing quite like this. And this absolutely confused them as to why this was happening to them. Maybe they thought, what in the whole world is going on here? Why is this storm happening in my life? What did I do to deserve this? You ever had that thought before? I have. What in the world, Lord, what did I do? Please show me what did I do to deserve this? What did I do? I'll be happy to repent of it and ask for forgiveness and make everything right possible that I can. You know, what did I do? Now, I do want to go on record and say this. Just let me say, just because you're going through something and just because you do go through something at times does not mean, does not mean you are in rebellion of some sorts. It doesn't mean that at all. Sometimes we get that idea. I must have messed up, I must have sinned, I must have rebelled if I'm going through this, this, that, and the other. That's not always, always the case. Just because you're going through something does not mean you're a wicked rebel and you're receiving the just reward of your rebellious ways. It doesn't mean that, all right? Even after all, here's what Peter said about, about storms and about fiery trials. Here's what he said. 1 Peter 4 and verse 12 through 13, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though... Some strange thing happened unto you. <laughs> Listen, just because you're going through a storm does not mean you've done something to deserve that said storm. After all, think about this man in the Bible for a moment. Think of Job. You know, Job is considered to be the oldest book in the Bible. And I'm thankful for that. Because that lets me know that men, women down through the years, down through the ages, have, a, have been able to look back to this man Job. And understand that though we go through some horrible times in our life, it doesn't mean it's something of our own doing. That we've done it to, to deserve that type of treatment. But as you think of Job, you know, he went through a lot, right? We won't take time to go through what he went through, but you know what he went through. How he suffered greatly. And his so-called friends even came to him one day and said, Man, what kind of sin have you done to deserve this type of treatment? Paraphrasing, of course. What have you done to deserve this? And Job would call those friends uh, miserable comforters. Don't be that kind of friend, all right? You want to comfort somebody? Don't be miserable at it, all right? We call them miserable comforters. But understand, Job, during this moment, he did nothing to deserve what he was going through. The Lord just knew he could trust Job to go through it. Because the Bible says, even all this, Job sinned not nor charged God foolishly. The Lord knew he could trust him. But... Uh, Think about individuals in Scripture who went through some tragedy but did nothing to deserve it. You can look at church history even. Especially in the very beginning of the book of Acts, you can see the early church going through great persecution. And persecution really was the norm for most of Christianity. But what did they do to deserve that? Nothing. Nothing. But still they went through great difficulty. So just because you're going through great difficulty does not always mean you're a rebel. doesn't always mean you're doing something wrong. doesn't mean that at all. However, sometimes it can be. It can be. 
It could mean you are rebelling. It could mean you are doing it your way, not God's way. Therefore, you're reaping what you've sowed. It could be. It could be. You know, sometimes we want to know, what's the reason? Why is the reason I'm going through this? Well, the reason is you may have made some dumb, dumb decisions, right? And you're just reaping it. What, but it's not always the case, but sometimes, sometimes, listen, it is. And in those moments, God's trying to get our attention, which, by the way, is very good at doing. God knows how to get our attention. He knew how to get the attention of Jonah. And it wasn't necessarily with the storm. He tried at the very beginning with his storm, but... We'll see in a moment that Jonah would rather be cast overboard into the sea and drown and die than go to Nineveh. So instead, after God prepared a storm for Jonah, he went a little bit further and prepared a great fish. He knew how to get his attention. By the way, he knows how to get ours too. He knows how to get our attention. But when we rebel against the Lord, listen, it can do this. It can breed confusion in our own life and in those around us. Again, that can be part of the collateral damage of it. It breeds confusion in people's, in people's life as why is this happening? What's going on? What did I do to deserve this? Understand these men, these sailors at this moment, they were horrendously confused as to, as to why this was going on. But listen, Jonah knew. Jonah knew exactly why. They were in the midst of this tempest, in the midst of this terrible storm, is because he was rebelling against the Lord. So his rebellion brought confusion. Then number four, rebellion does this. It costs us. It's costly. Rebellion can be costly. Look again at verse number nine. And he said unto them, I am the Hebrew and I fear the Lord. After they asked, who are you? Where are you from? What's your occupation? What's your country? Man, who are you? Jonah said, verse nine. And he said unto them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord. Yeah, right. The God of heaven, which hath made the sea in a dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take me up, cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Look at verse 13 and highlight and circle or underline this word, next word, nevertheless. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to land, but they could not. For the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. You know, it's interesting to me that as the sailors asked who Jonah was, as they, as they asked what his occupation was, what his nationality was, it's interesting how Jonah responded to them. He said, listen, I am an Hebrew, which is absolutely true. And then he proceeded to say this, and I fear the Lord. Uh, fear the Lord as in I respect, I honor, I give great reverence and awe to the God of heaven. He is saying here, I fear the Lord, which is a good thing, by the way. But then, it doesn't seem he's doing that, does it? Because even in that, next, or in that same conversation, in just the next couple of verses, he, say, he goes on to tell them, apparently tell them, the reason why they are facing this storm. Look again at verse number 10. Then were the men exceedingly afraid, said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew. Listen, here it is. For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord. How'd they know? Because 
he had told them. Now, I'm not a very smart man, as most of you know, okay? Don't shake your head or say amen right there, but I'm not a very smart man, all right? But if you're going to say, I fear God, I have great respect and honor for the Lord, I love the Lord with all my heart, and then followed up with, but I'm running from him now. But I'm not obeying him. But I'm fleeing the presence of God. But, and you fill in the blank, if you're going to say, I fear the Lord, but, I love the Lord, but, I'm not going to believe you. All right? Because in the very least, that's going to be a very hypocritical statement. And Jonah, it seems he was doing just that. Trying to tell them he fears the Lord, witnessing to them, if you will, and yet running from God, running from the very presence of the Lord, he says he fears and loves. Listen, in this type of rebellion, this type of living that he was uh, giving and doing, it was costly to him. But here's what it really cost him. There's several things, but here's one I want to highlight tonight. Here's what it cost him. It cost him his testimony. They didn't believe him. It cost him his testimony. Again, look at verse number 11. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. He said, Jonah said, Look, the, the reason you're in this storm, the reason we're going through this is because of me. It's my fault. And they said, Okay, it's your fault. How do we fix it? Verse number 12. And he said unto them, Take me up, cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. He told them what to do. He gave them instruction. He said, this is what you need to do. If you want the sea to be calm, you got to throw me overboard. I got to die. That's what he's saying. I need to die. That's the only way this is going to happen. Only, only way it's going to be calm. Verse 13, nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was very tempestuous against, against them. Jonah knew what to do in order to stop the storm, and he told them what to do. In order to stop the storm. And listen, Jonah being a prophet, he was used to helping people and solving their problems, if you will, and telling them what to do in order to be instructed and, and to know the will of God for their life. He was used to instructing others and used to people listening to him. Why? Because he was a great prophet, but these sailors didn't listen to him. They didn't believe him. I mean, after all, why should they? He was the very one who said, I fear the Lord, but I'm running from him. I have great honor and respect to God, but I am not going to obey him. I mean, if Jonah didn't believe Jonah, why should these guys believe Jonah, right? It sounded pretty hypocritical to me. And in his rebellion that he was doing, he lost his testimony. They weren't going to believe him. Can I remind you of something? As believers, as Christians, our testimony is very important. It's very important. Because your testimony, listen, it's going to be something that outlives you. It outlives you. What does the Bible say about Abel? He being dead yet speaketh, right? He had a testimony that outlived him. We too, as believers, can have a testimony that outlives us as well. How many of you know, just think for just, I'm going to give you five seconds. Five, four, three, two, one, it's more like three seconds. But how many of you know of a saint of God, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a, a church member that's passed on, gone on to glory, 
that you know made an impact in your life and their testimony still impacts your life today. How many of you know somebody like that? I do too. I do too. We're just reminiscing yesterday about Miss Ann and how precious she was to us and such a godly lady. And she's been in heaven now for nearly, nearly a year. But listen, there's people who have testimonies and it outlives them. And listen, it happens for us as well. Your testimony will outlive you, but what will it be? This testimony that he had, listen, they didn't believe him. My goodness, you say you fear God, but you sure are not living it. You sure are not acting like it. Why should I believe anything else that you, that you say? I'm sure, listen, I'm sure that Jonah was a great man. After all, it was in Matthew 12, verse 41, when Jesus said this, The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonas. And behold, here's what Jesus said, And behold, a greater than Jonas is here. That tells me that the individuals during Jesus' time, these Hebrews, considered Jonah a great man. For if they didn't consider Jonah a great man, why would Jesus use him as an illustration to say a greater than Jonah is here? They considered him a great man. I'm sure he was. I'm sure he was. But in this moment, it's not so great. He might have been a great prophet in a northern kingdom under, I think it was Jeroboam II for some, some time, for many years. I'm sure he was a great prophet. I know he was, sure. But do you know how he'll be remembered for, well, forever? Especially as you read the book of Jonah. His testimony forever will be, Jonah, you rebelled against God, man. Even talking with a preacher just this week, and I was telling him, like, going through the book of Jonah, he said, oh, the prophet that rebelled against God. I was like, yep. <laughs> Everybody knows that's what Jonah did. That's his testimony. And this rebellion cost him that. I don't want to be known as the individual who rebelled against God. And used as a bad example. I'd rather be used as a, at least a decent one. You know. We're all going to use as examples somehow or some way. Might as well be a good one, right? Let God use your testimony in a big way. So we see this cost him. But what did it mainly cost him? Well, for time's sake, we're going to stay just this one. His testimony. His testimony. All right. So we see, <clears throat> we see here that uh, when we rebel, here's what happens. God begins to correct us. In love, he does that. And then when we rebel, we can see there can be, can be collateral damage, such as in the case with Jonah. But also in that, we can also see when there's collateral damage, there can be confusion. Man, they were confused. But it can also be costly. More than we could ever imagine. But lastly and quickly, what I want to see, when it comes to rebellion or being a rebel or when it, when it happens in our life, if it happens... I want you to know this, there's always a choice. Always a choice. Look at verse 14. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee. Let us not perish for this man's life and lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. After, the, after Jonah told him what to do to have the storm to stop, cast me overboard. Uh, cast me overboard and it'll stop. And they didn't really want to. They didn't believe him, didn't want to do it. And now finally, they're at wit's end. This is the only, cho only choice that these men have to do in verse 15. So they took up Jonah, cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. 
You see, in this moment, I believe, it would seem that Jonah would rather die than to return to port and find another ship and go to Nineveh. It could have been at this very moment Jonah's like, look, he could have, he could have absolutely prayed and repented at this moment, got right with God. God sent this storm for Jonah's sake, right? He could have at this moment repented and prayed to the Lord, asked for forgiveness, got right with the Lord, and I believe God would have stopped that storm immediately. Because what happened, and I'm getting ahead of myself, it's okay, it's all connected anyway. In Jonah chapter 2, he got right with God, and in chapter 3, the first thing is what? The whale vomited him up on dry land immediately. After, after he prayed and got right with God, I believe if he'd have made that choice this moment on this ship, it could have well been that God could have used that storm in just an instant and pushed him right there at the shores of Nineveh. Could have, absolutely, if he'd made that choice. But his choice was this, no, I'd rather die than to go to Nineveh. And so God, the Bible says in verse 17, now the Lord, there it is again, remember, but the Lord we saw that in verse number 4. In verse 17 we see this. Now the Lord. He's not done with Jonah. This is not the end. The sailors thought this was it. They, they thought we're throwing him overboard. He's going to die. Lord, please don't lay his innocent blood upon our hands. We, it ain't our fault. We don't want to do this. But the Lord's not done with him. God prepared a storm. Now he's preparing and has prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. God's not done with him. He's going to continue to correct him. We'll see some more of that as we dive into chapter number 2. And see, yes, chapter 1 was Jonah's rebellion. Chapter 2, we're going to see Jonah's repentance as he gets right with God, as God continues to correct him. But he had a choice. He had a choice, as we all do. But what's your choice going to be? Now, you may not need, need this message right now. You might need it in 10, 15, 20 years from now. I pray God to bring it to your memory. What's your choice going to be? You going to turn to the Lord, run to Him, or keep running from Him? Now, I'm reminded, I'm speaking to the Sunday night crowd. You make great efforts to come out to church this evening. But I'm also reminded we're talking about a prophet of God as well. It can happen to any of us. But I want to encourage you again, make the choice to run to Jesus. Not from him. Run and be quick to obey the scripture, not rebel against it. 